We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We are now joined by Adrian Atizado from the Disabled American Veterans, a.k.a. DAV. Adrian is the Deputy National Legislative Director for that organization that's doing incredible things for our disabled veterans. Adrian, good morning, and thank you so much for joining us today. Good morning, Eric. Glad to be on. Of course, you're calling over from Capitol Hill. We are pre-recording this interview. This is taking place on Tuesday. Uh, Tell us, there's some really big things happening on the Hill, and you're over there right now. What's going on, and how is this going to affect the veteran community? So listen, the, the House Veterans Affairs Committee has a markup. It's ongoing right now. They have a pretty uh, ambitious agenda this morning. They have about 16 bills that they're going to try and pass through committee to have the full House uh, um, take a look at it and vote on it. And, in fact, they're, they're only working on the second bill. Uh, if, if you don't mind, I'd like to speak about the first bill that they did pass sure. uh, favorably through the committee. So that bill is called the Blue Water Navy Vet- Vietnam Veterans Act. Now, I think you may have talked about this on your show. Uh, as you may know, a lot of Vietnam veterans, Navy veterans who served right off the shore of Vietnam have been denied access to compensation and, and health care benefits uh, due to exposure to Agent Orange. Now, our members have been wanting Congress to pass a law that would allow these Navy veterans uh, to... Uh, be able to uh, file claims for benefits if they are if they have any conditions that as a as is a result of their exposure to Agent Orange. And so today, House Veterans Affairs Committee, under the leadership of Chairman Roe of Tennessee and a ranking member Waltz of Minnesota, and all the members on the committee just passed this bill to be favorably favorably reported. We are looking at a light at the end of this 30-year tunnel that we've been fighting for for our Navy veterans out there who served in Vietnam, uh, just off the shore of, uh, of uh, the Republic of Vietnam. Adrian, this is a huge item, and it's one that I know. I mean, people have reached out to me directly over social media and Twitter and everything telling me almost every time I talk to a VSO that they want me to mention Blue Water Navy and Agent Orange. Uh, it's great to see that we're finally seeing some some concrete motion on this in a positive way. Let's talk about how we got to this point. I know DAV was heavily involved in that. Who else are you giving some credit to as far as getting this legislation up there to where it can be uh, put through unanimously like it just was? Well, I can tell you that the entire uh, veteran service organization community uh, was behind this. A lot of the other military service organizations was behind this as well. Uh, I can tell you the entire community was pushing Congress uh, to get this done. As you know, Congress has other um, has other considerations. One of the biggest issues was actually paying for this new benefit, and they were able to find a way to to address that issue that was amenable to everybody. And this is how we like to work. Uh, with Congress and the veterans community is that everybody or as much people as possible agree to a solution because that is a long-lasting policy 
that um, will serve uh, the veteran community for the long haul. And there really was very little opposition to this, I can tell you. Um, and it's good to see that this committee, the House Veterans Affairs Committee, as well as the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee, remains the, the high ground in, in a very politically charged environment here in Capitol Hill. And veterans still enjoy this. And, and I'm glad to report that today's vote is a reflection of that. Well, it would absolutely seem to be. And we're speaking with Adrian Atizado, Deputy Legislative Director for Disabled American Veterans. Adrian, when it comes to the Blue Water Navy uh, Agent Orange issue and this legislation that made it through the House Veterans Affairs Committee unanimously today, uh, what's the timeline on those who are suffering from the after effects, who, who served off the coast of Vietnam and who up till now weren't able to seek any treatment for that because it, you know, because of the reasons that we've already talked about? It wasn't considered, you know, they weren't boots on the ground, blah, blah, blah. What's the timeline for those individuals affected to be able to start receiving care for this issue? Do we have one yet? So uh, the House committee is the first step in, in what can what can be a pretty lengthy process. As you know, in order for a bill to become law, uh, I can hear my schoolhouse rock uh, episode coming off the TV right <laughs> now when I was little watching this. So the House has to pass the bill. Uh, and then the Senate has to pass the same bill. Uh, if they both chambers pass the same bill word for word, then it goes to the president for his signature and becomes law. I would assume that when that does happen, it's going to come in short order. Uh, I will assume that this administration, because of the importance of this legislation and this relief that it provides, it will expedite regulations and start paying out benefits as soon as possible. Uh, It's just a matter of working the process and getting everybody time in a very busy uh, congressional calendar to consider this and pass it uh, in a timely fashion. Now, I I don't want to go too long into this interview without also mentioning the other bill that they're talking about right now. This is another huge bill for the veteran community. It is the community care bill. It's the popular ner- t- I'm sorry, the popular term is called the VA Mission Act. Hmm. For the last uh, three or four years, as you and your listeners know, the VA has been doing a lot more in buying care in the community. Uh, the Phoenix uh, Access to Care scandal in 2014, Congress reacted to that Access to Care st- uh, scandal by creating the Choice Program that veterans go into the community to get care, and that care is paid for by VA. That program was a knee-jerk reaction to a crisis. And in that frame of reference, there's a lot of problems with the current program, and we want another bite at this. We want to improve the current program, make it easier for VA to administer the program, make sure veterans are getting high-quality care from the community. And then that second iteration is this bill. Uh, it has. Uh, it's trying to re, uh, uh, redo VA's authority to buy care in the community in the most cost-effective and reasonable manner. The bill is going to look at VA's aging infrastructure. As you know, that the average age of VA facilities now are well over 50 decades. Um, it costs more to keep them up to date uh, than it otherwise would be have, if VA were to have new facilities. And another important and and, and the number one priority for DAV in this bill is providing caregiver support to veterans of all eras. 
As you and your listeners have, have known, that the VA's caregiver program is only uh, available to veterans who were severely injured after September 11, 2001. DAV has been fighting against that, that inequity since that bill was, was enacted uh, over seven years ago. And it looks like this bill uh, has the provisions to make sure that veterans who were injured in all eras will be made available um, for this program, phased in, of course, to make sure that it's implemented by this agency in, in a thoughtful manner. Uh, and so these three big items in this one bill is being talked about as we speak by all the members of the House Veterans Affairs Committee. And that is huge that we're seeing movement on this. Like I can remember back to when we first started uh, talking to the Cornines, uh, Alexis Cornine, a Coast Guard veteran who was injured uh, prior to September 11th, who if she had been injured uh, months or a year later would have received uh, entirely different benefits despite the fact that it, it would have had, even if it had happened in the exact same place in the exact same way, uh, which is something that didn't sit right with a lot of veterans. And it took a while to get to this point. But how happy is DAV to? Uh, to see us on the cusp of seeing some real movement on this issue? Well, we are um, cautiously optimistic. Uh, as you know, as, and as I just described, the process for a bill to become law can be long and protracted. Uh, the political environment, uh, uh, anything can happen. And so this is a first step. It is a high watermark in the House uh, for them to consider and pass a bill that has that will finally end the inequity of, of the caregiver program as it uh, is, is currently under law. And so we are hopeful uh, that this will add to the progress that we've done over the years. As you know, the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee has passed bills to end this inequity for the family caregiver program. And now we are seeing here that the House Veterans Affairs Committee is likely to do the same. And when they do, it will be up to both the full House and the full Senate to pass the exact same bill, send it to the president, and make it law. And so we're hopeful. This is a very encouraging um, uh, action by the House Veterans Affairs Committee, and we thank, again, uh, all the committee members, Chairman Rowe and Ranking Member Walsh, for their hard work in, work in working together in a bipartisan way to make this happen. When it comes to the Blue Water Navy Agent Orange issue, as you said, that uh, was passed through the House Veterans Affairs Committee unanimously today, do we have any idea what kind of numbers we're looking at as far as the sailors and maybe even Marines that were on those ships off the coast of Vietnam who may have been affected? Well, Eric, that is a great question. I wish I had that answer for you. Uh, But as you know, every day that goes by, we're losing more and more of them. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it's it's long, uh, it's it's been long called for, and this really should have happened uh, a long time ago. Um, I know that uh, because the cost is an issue, we're not talking about a small number of veterans. There's a still a substantial number of veterans who are not being uh, compensated for their diseases and injuries due to being exposed to Agent Orange. Mm. Uh, and and that and it's uh, high time that this inequity. Uh, is being addressed.
there, it seems that there's a lot of inequity out there that a lot of people may not be aware of. And we're speaking with Adrian Adizato, who is the Deputy National Legislative Director for Disabled American Veterans, particularly, Adrian, right within your wheelhouse when it comes to disabled veterans, whether it's those uh, facing the effects of Agent Orange, whether it's the pre and post 9-11 caregiver divide. Uh, that one in particular, there are disabled veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, still among us who simply don't have the same benefits available to them simply because of which war they took part in or the date that their injury occurred. I mean, if someone was injured on September 10th, 2001, and then they would not be eligible for the same benefits as someone who was injured literally 24 hours later. How important do you think it is to raise awareness of these inequities and, and, and then to address them through legislation and other means? Well, Eric, I can't thank you enough for that uh, question. Uh, if I can get back real quick to the number of veterans, I did get a number. There's about 90,000 blue water Vietnam veterans that may be uh, uh, positively affected by this bill. 90,000 is, is the number that I've seen now. Uh, with regards to your, your question about the inequities uh, in law that bifurcates the veteran population based on when they served, we think that is... Um, something that we are trying to educate Congress not to do. Uh, We believe in the veteran community that when you serve, you serve. We know very well firsthand the hazard of serving, even in peacetime, how many people get injured because training for wartime is just as dangerous as being in war. And and many people get hurt uh, in those training environments, even when you're doing it stateside. Uh, the idea that one veteran population is more deserving than another is is inherently uh, against the creed of veterans and service members about leaving nobody behind. And so it's a daily struggle for us to educate members of Congress and policymakers that while they may want to serve the veterans who are currently in harm's way, that they should not forget the service and sacrifice of veterans who have served in previous wars. And even though so that go ahead, I'm sorry. So and so that is uh, uh, an education that we have to do daily. As you know, uh, Mr. Lamb, who is uh, the newest member on the House Veterans Affairs Committee that was just voted in as a member today, is one of those um, representatives that's new to Congress that we have reached out and and try and educate them about the need to treat veterans, all veterans, uh, equally, no matter when they served. And as you mentioned, the war that they served in and those who were not serving during a time of war, their service is no less important. And I think most veterans seem to agree that they deserve the same benefits as as anyone else does for anything that's service-connected during their time in uniform. Adrian, you just mentioned uh, the congressman there, and I wanted to ask you how important you think it is that we have not just veterans in Congress, but disabled veterans, Tammy Duckworth, Brian Mast, names like that come to mind, both in the Senate and the House of Representatives. How important and how beneficial is it to the disabled veteran community to have uh, people in those positions to be able to speak directly to the experience of being a disabled veteran? Well, I think what uh, what that does, having members of Congress who have uh, a history not only in the military, but even being injured uh, while in the military, is critically important to the institution of, of Congress. You know, the, the idea that this body of, of our of government is able to produce policies and laws 
that are reasonable and responsible requires many many uh, people to be to be involved in that discussion to come out with the best solution. And I think uh, the discussion takes a very different tone and a very different le- uh, has a very different lens when you have somebody uh, that can speak firsthand from their experiences of what it's like to be an injured service member and having to to um, seek benefits from the Department of Veterans Affairs uh, or other federal and state benefits. It really does change not only the tone, but the focus of the discussion uh, in what policy moves forward uh, through Congress. And, and we hope that that will uh, become a, a larger uh, that, that, that service members and injured service members become a larger portion of Congress, because uh, when that happens, we as an organization, Disabled American Veterans, will be able to connect uh, much quicker uh, with these policymakers in getting legislation that addresses service members' needs, veterans' needs, and their families uh, in a more thoughtful and deliberate manner. Adrian, a question that I have uh, for the Deputy National Legislative Director for DAV. It's a tough one, but I want to get your uh, your outlook on this. You said you're cautiously optimistic. So give us a best-case scenario and a worst-case scenario in regards to this legislation that they're marking up on Capitol Hill today. The best-case scenario is that this bill gets passed ex- uh, before the money runs out for the current choice program. Remember, this legislation is supposed to uh, re-engineer the current choice program to something better, more reasonable, easier to uh, administer, and easier for veterans to understand. The problem is the program that currently exists is due to run out of money at the end of this month. So the best of, of uh, the best scenario we can come up with is this bill gets signed by the president gets through the House, gets through the Senate, and signed by the president before the end of this month. Worst-case scenario is a choice program runs out of money. Caregivers don't get, uh, of, of, of uh, veterans who were injured before 9-11, don't get the relief they need. The choice program runs out of money, stops uh, operating, and then we'll have another access crisis on our hands, and veterans are going without the medical care that they need. That is the worst-case scenario. That second one, the worst case scenario, sounds disastrous, and it sounds like it could cost lives. Is that accurate? It, well, it, there is that potential danger. We are talking about health care for veterans who are either chronically disabled, have chronic disabilities because of their military service, or even the younger veterans who have uh, severe uh, illnesses and injuries from uh, their, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. These these veterans need these health care services to maintain their quality of life, their ability to engage in the community and be participating, be active participants in this country. Health care is a critical part of their lives. And if this bill doesn't get passed, it could severely impact that. And we don't want that. But I can tell you, I can tell you that, that Congress is engaged. They know this deadline is coming up. All parties are being called to the table to make sure this bill goes through Congress in a timely fashion. We are calling on on all uh, committees, the leadership in the House and the Senate, the Budget Committee, the appropriators, the authorizers. um, They all need to come to the table and talk this through 
their respective chambers so that it will pass swiftly. This is what Congress needs to do for veterans today. At least this needs to be done before the end of this month. And it's certainly a situation that we've dealt with several times in the past year and something that we want to see a more permanent solution for in the days and years coming up. Adrian, uh, a final question for you here, and that's regarding the fact that a lot of these issues that we're talking about today in legislation, like the the Blue Water Navy Agent Orange issue in Vietnam, uh, legislation on that, passing the House Veterans Affairs Committee unanimously, looking like the Mission Act might go through, uh, if not unanimously, then close to it as well. Uh, how much of a positive do you think it is that these things that have been huge items for years that we've been talking about are finally at, at least even making it to this point? But it's a historic. This is a historic opportunity. This bill uh, is intended to get VA into a position where it can uh, become the next uh, the next century of VA. It's positioned VA to be more responsive to veterans' needs and allow it to serve taxpayers by providing high quality care at less cost. Right? That's what this bill embodies. It's the future of VA. And we are, we are hopeful that Congress will step up and, and get this bill passed because there, is no, there will be no other time, at least in the near future, that these problems will be addressed by Congress. We are coming into a season now where politics will start playing a greater role in the deliberation of this body. And when that happens... Policy work tends to take a backseat to politics. And so that window is closing very rapidly, and we need to take advantage of this opportunity to get this legislation done. And the omnibus spending bill recently that included many of these same items was seen as a missed opportunity. Uh, If we miss this opportunity, I I don't know exactly how to look at it. I do know that if this stuff goes through and it is successful and we finally see this much-needed change uh, to several programs, that a large part of that will have been because of the activities of disabled American veterans and their advocating on behalf of those who have given so much of themselves. Adrian Atizado, National Deputy Legislative Director for Disabled American Veterans. If people want to find out more about your organization, more about the legislative aspect of DAV, more about the, the variety of programs that you guys are running that are all really amazing. Where do they go to find that out and to keep up to date on what you guys are doing? Yep. All your listeners have to do is go to www.dav.org. That's the website, and that's where you're going to go to find out about all that we've talked about today and more. And of course, they'll keep you updated on what happens with this legislation. Adrian, we want to thank you so much for your time today. We greatly appreciate it. Hey, Eric, thanks a lot for talking about this. Appreciate your time. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T Mobile.com. 